we're increasing. And one of the things that you need to think about is that our goal isn't to stay in this room or be this size. And if, and if we're going to be preparing an expectation for increase, then we need to have people ready to serve when those people show up. Amen? And so I just want to challenge you to be a person who finds this a way a to serve because if you're a part of an organization, you ought to do more than come. You ought to find a way to plug in and be a blessing. Amen? We're going to pray. We're going to get into the word. They put in a new something this week, and so the screen isn't working. So we're going to get to see, like, those of you who actually know how to use your Bibles this morning because you're not going to have the scriptures up here. But I really want to challenge you, if you don't have a notebook, man, if you're not taking notes when you come to church, if you're not putting them on your phone, you're really going to miss out because there's absolutely no way that somebody teaches to you in this an hour, is a demonstration an hour and 15 of minutes, and you're going to remember everything that was said. You take the notes so that you can go back and that you can let it sink in and you can actually study it and meditate on it during the week. Amen? We're going to pray. We're going to get started. Are we ready for the word? Yeah. Yes. We ready. This is a demonstration of Wirecast. For the word. All right, we can pray now because we ready. Amen. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. We bless you in this place. We honor you for your goodness, for your greatness, and for your mercy. We thank you for Jesus. Hallelujah. Because of Jesus, we are redeemed, restored, renewed, refreshed, and righteous. We thank you for Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and our God, leads us into all this truth and is understanding, is our of source of wisdom and knowledge, causes us to be victorious in every area of life. And we thank you for the written word, because the written word, it divides between soul and spirit, divides everything that's not like you and brings us into a place of transformation. We thank you for the ability to choose, to choose not to stay the way that we came, for the ability to believe you to take you at your word and to see manifestation come to pass. It has been declared that this is the year of great victory. This and we is a believe we receive it, a year cast. of hope and promise, a year of supernatural healings, a year of restoration, a year of financial breakthrough, a year of increase, a year of abundance, a year of wholeness, a year of joy, and a year of exceeding great peace. And so we're ready to receive your word this morning. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Come on and make your confession. Lift your Bible up, your iPhone, whatever it is you use to get the word off. This is my Bible. And I am what it says I am. This is a demonstration of why I can do what it says I can do. I have what it says I have. I am about to be taught the life-changing word of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. And hearing again. And after I have heard and obeyed the word, I can expect the word to manifest in my life. Today I sit here as a doer, not just a hearer. As a believer, not a doubter. And I declare I will never be the same again. Amen. 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 I want to just say a couple of things as we get really into this teaching this morning. Um, Pastor Elwin has been teaching about creative faith. I'm going to keep making this plug. If you have not listened to the first message of this year, you are missing out because the first message of this year sets the entire tone for the victory this that we are expecting. Of so Wirecast. if you have not heard it, please go to the Champions Number 4 Life app on um Android or iPhone and get the app and listen to the message. Amen. You're responsible for the teaching in whatever house you're in. Whether you hear or whether you not. You're responsible for the teaching. And if you hear the teaching, then you understand what's coming. You can't this is get a demonstration the of wirecast. The word that gets the victory. Amen. With that being said, I really want to challenge you to make sure that you are a people that do not despise repetitive teaching. Faith comes by hearing 
and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. If you are going to be successful as a believer, you must understand that there are some foundational truths that you need to hear over and over and over and over and over and over again. And the very first time that this you find yourself saying, I've already cast. heard that before, you're out of position in the word. Because the word is alive. And you can read the same scripture every day and God say something new to you about it. You cannot exhaust the word. Tell your neighbor, say, you cannot exhaust the word. Turn to your other neighbor, say, you cannot exhaust the word. You cannot exhaust the word. So do not be a people that despise repetitive teaching. I can tell you this year, we're going to teach a lot about faith. This is a demonstration of Wirecast. Over and over and over again. Because a lot of you love Jesus, but you don't know how to walk by faith. And when life hits you, and circumstances hit you, you get pitiful, depressed, down, sad, angry, offended, worn out because you don't understand that anytime you get a word, the enemy's coming to get the word because that's how he defeats us. So I'm going to give you some scriptures. And, but I want to, my goal is, this is a demonstration when I teach of Wirecast. I'm going to really get into Matthew 13. I don't think I'm going to have time to do it this morning because I really want to lay the foundation for you. But so if we're going to walk by faith, we need to understand what that looks like, right? Amen? So let's go to Hebrews 10 and 38. Hebrews 10 and 38. I want to encourage you, Pastor Edwin and I have been doing a Wednesday night Bible study. Amen? We are, touch, we are reaching people all over the United States and Canada. Before this year is over, we will reach people all over the world where they have access to Facebook. That is our belief. Amen? want to encourage you, if you haven't gone to the Fellowship of Champions Facebook page, go to the page, like the page, so you can get the notifications. Because almost every week, somebody's like, I didn't know that you was online. Well, you didn't know because you don't have the notifications set up to tell you that we're going online. It's Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. You get to go to Bible study sitting in your bed. <laughs> that is the good life. You don't have to drive in the cold. Rain is no excuse. Whatever TV show you want to watch, you can pause it and come back to it. But you have to give the word priority. The next thing I want to say about the word is that the word is not for debate. It's for transformation. The word is not for debate. It's for transformation. There are a lot of really intelligent people who know a lot of stuff about the word, but they have no revelation about the word because they think the word is a text to be debated. The Pharisees and the Sadducees thought the word was a text to be debated, which is why they didn't recognize the word when it manifested in front of them. So we're not here to debate the word. We're here to teach the word according to what we believe the word is. So you either have to decide that you're willing to take the journey with us, and this is what you also believe, or you need to find a place where you do. But if every place you go you don't believe it, the issue ain't the word, the issue is you. If you offended with all of the teaching, it ain't the word. It's not the pastor's issue. Amen? So let's go to Hebrews 10 and 38. I'm going to make you work a little bit today because we don't have a screen. So Hebrews 10 and 38, we're going to do some good old school church. We're going to read it together. Do your best to pay attention to punctuation. That will help with the reading together. Amen. <laughs> and we're and we going to use King James for our first reading unless I tell you that we're using something else, all right? This good old school making sure you don't fall asleep because you know what you ain't fall asleep if they're not reading, all right? So we're going to read Hebrews 10 and 38. Ready? Read. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Amen. Y'all anointed to read. Look at y'all up in here. Look at y'all. Babe, we the fast class up in here. So what it says, it says the just, those who have been justified, those who have accepted Jesus Christ, their personal Savior, he says this is how you should live, by faith. He says, and if you draw back, my soul has no pleasure in you. So he says, I need you to walk by faith 
because I want to have pleasure in you. Well, let's define what faith is. We're going to give a definition, then we're going to give a biblical definition of faith, all right? So the easy definition of faith is faith is a confidence that causes us to believe what we can't see and act on what we believe. Faith is a confidence that causes us to believe what we can't see and to act on what we believe. That's the simple definition of faith. We don't know that there is really a heaven, but we believe it because he said it. We accepted Jesus and we act like we saved, not because we're trying to get saved, but because we believe in the thing we cannot see. Amen? Faith. All right, let's go to Hebrews 11 and 6. If you got a good Bible, you don't even have to turn your page. (laughs) Amen. Hebrews 11 and 6. Ready, read. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For they that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. All right. So now we looked at this scripture right here and it says, if you're justified, you're supposed to live by And it says, because without faith, it's impossible. Because when you come to God, you got to believe two things. That he is, and he's a rewarder. He is. A lot of people believe he is. They just struggle with the reward part. And a lot of people believe they should have a lot of rewards, but they don't want to acknowledge him. But this scripture says that to walk by faith, it is a two-part challenge. It's a two-part commitment. I got to believe that he is, and I have to believe that he rewards when I diligently seek him. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you cannot follow God and come up short. Somebody said never. See, and whether you believe, what just happened in your heart right now depends, shows whether you're in faith or not. If in your heart you say, well, I know Sister Mary, and Sister Mary walked with the Lord all her life, and it didn't work out for her, you're not in faith. Because the truth of it is, you don't know what was in Sister Mary's heart. You don't know what God told Sister Mary to do that she may have done or may not have done. Let me, let's, let's use this example parenthetically regarding sickness. Sometimes we get disappointed because we pray for people and we're believing God for healing. We want them to be healed in the natural. What we don't know is that they have decided they want to go home and be with the Lord. So we standing and believing, confessing, fasting, sowing seeds, doing all the things that work. The problem is we don't have their agreement. Then they die and go home and be with the Lord, and we like, healing don't work. No, they got exactly what they prayed for. So you cannot try to judge what God does by somebody's story when you don't know what was in their heart. Amen. So it says, when I come to God, I must believe that he is, and I must believe that he is a rewarder. Say, God rewards us. That's very, very important for you to understand. The Bible says that God is not unjust. He is not unrighteous to forget your labor or love. It means that God is not going to let you serve and then he out and let you outgive him. Now, some of you have grown up in the kind of Christianity where it looks like that people gave more than God. But that's because they weren't in faith to receive. Because a lot of people are good at sowing, but they have no expectation of harvest. It's not a farmer in the world who goes out and plants and doesn't expect a harvest. Not even you if you grow tomatoes. You don't go to Lowe's, get your little tomato box, put it in the window, water it, talk to your tomatoes every day, tell them to live, and don't expect to eat some tomatoes in the tomato ripening season. You have to have an expectation that if you do what God says, you will get what God said. Because God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Listen, let's go to 1 John 5 and 4. Now, this is my wheelhouse right here. Now, if you want to get me stared up, let's talk about the integrity of the word. Because if ain't nobody faithful, God is. I know you think your mama been real faithful. But any measure of faithfulness your mama got, she got from the Lord. Nobody is as faithful as the Lord. Let me parenthetically insert that that's why people get disappointed when they get laid off from Walmart because you thought that Walmart was as faithful as your God. But Walmart never promised that they wouldn't leave you nor forsake you. 
Let's go to 1 John 5 because I don't want you to be extra salty today, maybe just a little bit. 1 John 5 and 4, okay? Ready? Read. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So he says here, first of all it says, so we look at these three scriptures and here's what we can see. If we're just, we're called to live by faith. Say, I'm called to live by faith. If, we're, if, we're, if we are just, then our faith pleases God. Say, my faith pleases God. My faith pleases God. And then the third thing is that my faith gives me victory. My faith gives me victory. Yes, Say this. Say, my faith, my faith will, always will always produce my victory. You've got to believe that. Not that your faith works so well, but that your faith is in the God who gives victory. So because sometimes people get caught up about how good their faith is, it's not actually how many confessions you make, how much you fast, how much you sow. It's why you did those things with the expectation that God would be God in your situation. Amen. I'm going to read um, Hebrews 11 and 6 because now we're going to get to the biblical definition, but we want to use something. This morning, I want to use something besides the King James. I'm going to use the King James, but not just the King James. Shout, I love the word. I love the word. Now, in Hebrews 11 and 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. All right? But in the everyday reading version, it says faith is what makes real the things we hope for. It is the proof of what we can't see. Faith makes it real. I'm going to give you an example everybody knows. Have you ever known somebody who was in love with somebody who wasn't any good, but they couldn't see it? <laughs> By faith, they had decided that the person was who they said they were, not who they showed themselves to be. That's how I know you got faith. I know you have faith. Tell your neighbor, say, we know you have faith. faith. Pastor Edwin, not in here, so I'm going to go ahead and say this. It's like the faith that the Cowboys go have a whole winning season for real. (laughs) Y'all edit that. Y'all edit that. Edit that. Edit that. Edit that. (laughs) Edit that. (laughs) Edit that. Oh, Rich, I'm sorry. Are you a Cowboy fan? <laughs> oh. Oh. Woo. It's getting hot in here. Y'all edit that out the video. Okay? I mean, it's here. So it's not that you can't have faith. It's where you choose to put your faith. You put your faith in jobs, you put your faith in car, you drive down the street with the expectation that everybody is going to stay on the side of the road that they are supposed to stay. You don't know them people. How do you have more trust in somebody that you don't know coming against traffic to you than you do in the most high God who created you? Amen. Another translation says, the New Living Translation says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for actually happens. It gives assurance about things we cannot see. God's word says faith assures us of things we expect and convinces us of the evidence of things that things live that we cannot see. So we believe, even if our bodies haven't manifested healing yet, that healing already belongs to us. Here's the difference. People in faith are not trying to get healed. People in faith are healed walking toward manifestation. People who don't have faith are hoping that they will get healed. People in faith believe they're healed even before the doctor does. Even when the doctor can't see, because the doctor is using scans and tests to determine whether healing exists or not, but the believer is using the word. The believer is using the word. That's why in Isaiah 53 it says, whose report will you believe? You can't believe the Lord's report if you don't know what he reported. You cannot believe, you cannot know. Listen. We go to the, um, we talked about this when they study the money, when they want to teach people to be, to recognize counterfeit money, money, they study real money. 
because real money helps you recognize what's fake. If you study the word long enough, you'll know what's fake. Some of you ain't studied the word long enough to know what's fake. And so as a result, every time the enemy does what he's designed to do, which is to come and get the word, you cave in and quit and back down because you didn't even understand that that was a part of his strategy to come get the word because he cannot defeat the word, but he can wear you out without it. And that's why it's so funny because then people think you're doing too much when you're trying to get them to put a guard on their confession. So you think we doing too much when we trying to get you to put a guard on your mouth. When you saying stuff like, I'm dying, we like, you don't really want to say that. Oh, you know, I'm just keeping it real. I, I, I'm catching up. Why would you want to be catching anything? If you feel an th- itch in your throat, why wouldn't you say, Father, I thank you. I've taken communion this week, and I believe that my body is aligning with the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if there's anything practical I need to do to cause my body to line up, speak to me now, and I'll do it. But I am the healed. I am the healed. And that's why people think you're crazy when you walk in faith. Because everybody, and, and, and people don't even realize how negative, how much negativity comes out of their mouth. I'm going to give you an example. So anybody has been in our house know we got a little dog named Gidget. And for a long, long time, Gidget didn't really go out the yard because we didn't really let her out the house. Go use the bathroom, come back in, let somebody's walk in. This summer when Pastor Ed was working home, he was like, let's let Gidget out and see what she does. I was like, you know what she's going to do. She's a dog. She's going to explore, right? So after about three weeks, she starts going further and further out the yard, right? So we got a couple of neighbors. They would call us or they send us a message in our Facebook group, and they say, hey, we see Gidget. You want us to bring her back? I go, no, we'll send one of the kids, come get her, whatever. So I had a neighbor who came outside the other day, and Gidget was out there. She said, girl. Gidget got dementia the way she be wandering. So you gave the whole dog dementia because she leave a yard? You gave my, you tried to give my dog dementia. Dementia. All the reasons a dog wander out the yard. And dementia is what you pick. I said, no, ma'am, my dog does not have dementia. My dog likes to explore the neighborhood. And then she says, she says, well, I saw her in the road. I said, well, her angels were too. She's not going to die. Because you ain't going to do me with your negativity. And I told Gidget, I said, now listen. We assign some angels over you, but you can't be disobedient. You better stay on the sidewalk when you're walking, okay? I'm like, don't make my faith confession a lie, Gidget. That's how parents feel about their kids. They're like, I'm decreeing and declaring you're going to be somebody. Don't make my faith confession a lie. Amen. Say, I walk by faith. So where does faith originate from? Let's look at that. Romans 12 and 3. It's important for you to understand this. Romans 12 and 3, the last part of that verse, it says, And God has given every man the measure of faith. The measure, not a measure. If he gave everybody a measure, then we might not have the same measure. He has given every man the measure of faith. It literally means that when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, he broke some of his own faith off and deposited on the inside of you. Say, I have the faith of God. When you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, he gave you his faith. He didn't even make you get your own faith as a seed. He gave you his faith to believe what he wanted to happen. Say, I have the faith of God. Say, I have great faith. faith. Say, the reason I know know my faith works works is because it came from God. I want you to understand this. When God asks you for your faith, it's just like when he asks you for your money. You only have it because he gave it to you. (laughs) While you're trying to act all shady with your money, debating whether you'll give it or not, you only got it because he gave it to you. I work for this money. You used his oxygen. 
You used his oxygen. Let me see you go to work tomorrow without his oxygen. Let me see you go to work tomorrow without his strength to move your legs. Without his cognitive ability. So faith is the same thing. He gives you his faith for you to use. He's given every man the measure of faith. Say, I have the faith of God. Amen. Now let's go over here to Romans 10 and 17. We've been spending a lot of time here. So how do we grow this measure of faith? We say this all the time, especially when we get into fitness um, weeks, when Jimmy comes and teaches about fitness. We say this all the time. Everybody got abs. Everybody. People talking about, I'm trying to get abs. No, boo, you got abs. Everybody in here got abs. All labs started the same, they just ain't developed the same. So everybody has faith, everybody's faith isn't developed the same. And just like if you get that fat off your abs, we would see that you have them. If you get that unbelief off of your faith, you'd see it work. Because you got faith. Say, I got faith. Say, my faith works. Everybody has abs and everybody has faith. But your abs and your faith show us what you've been working with. Yes, your abs and your faith, they show us what you've been working with. I'm just big bone. You don't get belly fat because you're big bone. No, you don't. You just ate a lot of carbs, boo. Let's keep going because we want to get into this. So faith comes, Romans 10 and 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why it's important that you be a student of the word. That's why it's important that you go to a church where you trust the teaching. Because this week we're talking about great victory. But next week, we may be saying we're going on another fasting. You can't be able to hear God when it's a blessing. But now you don't trust God in us when it's time to do something you don't want to do. We can't be blessed and highly favored and anointed and got a word from the good Lord for your life when we're telling you that you can have what you already want. And then you don't know if we call when we're saying something you don't want to hear. That's just like your wife. Your wife is your wife even when she get on your nerves. Even when she, amen, men, amen. She's still your wife. Amen. Say it. I want to hear you. Amen. Amen. She is still your wife. She is still the one you pick. She is still the one you love. She is still it. She's still fine. She's still pretty. She's still all of that. All about your perspective. But because of your perspective, when she get on your nerves, she look like, well, whatever. Okay. Let's keep going. Amen. So you have to hear the word. Tell your neighbor, say, you got to hear the word. You got to hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. And when you get on Bible study on Wednesday and we using these same scriptures, you by then you ought to have looked up some translations we not even using. Because you got to hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. You won't change your whole life because you got excited about one message. Because you got to have some word to anchor you when storms come. Because storms will come. There is no promise of not having storms as a believer. He says, I've given you peace over the storm. Not that there wouldn't be a storm. And a lot of people sink in the storm because they let their faith go looking at the waves instead of focusing on Jesus. Baby, the more difficult it is, the more pressed in to God you ought to be. If you ever go chill, you ought to chill when it's easy. You ought to chill when it's easy. But when the pressure get on... Your Bible ought to be open. Your app ought to be open. And we ought to get in your car. And you ain't, li- listen, maybe when you got complete victory, you got time for a bunch of Cardi B. You got time. But when you going through a faith fight, you ain't got time for Cardi. You need to be hearing some word 
Amen. Amen. People are like, don't mess with my music. It's just music. Do you? All right. Matthew 4. Matthew 4. Let's look at this. Jesus teaches us how we respond to the devil. I, I need you to understand this. We are declaring great victory. I need you to understand this. Look at my face so you can see the words that are coming out of my mouth. When we declare, declare great victory, expect great battle. When we declare great victory, expect great battle. So then you ain't shocked. You ought to get so built up that when the devil come and do whatever he do to aggravate you, you like, what? That's it? If we declare great victory in your finances, the job of the enemy is to play with your money. If we declare restoration in your relationship, some of you be believing God, preach, Peyton, preach, pay, preach. You going to be a pastor, pay? <laughs> so when you, get in, when you get a word, the reason you have to fortify yourself with the word is because the enemy comes to get the word. Follow the scenario. We have no evidence that the devil ever talked to Jesus until Jesus said he was the son of God. We see no conflict between him until he gets baptized, the dove descends, he goes into the temple and he reads the scripture and he says, I am what you've been waiting on. Then he goes into the wilderness and he begins to fast. And when he begins to fast, the devil shows up. Go to Matthew 4. It says, and then Jesus was led up into the, into the spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and nights, he was afterward a hunger. And when, the and when the tempter came to him, he said, if you be the son of God, command these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The truth of it is, is that some of you have never made that your decision. He says, man should not live by bread alone. Yeah, you need bread, but what you ought to live by is what did God say? And the reason some of you stay so twisted in your souls is because you're always entertaining something other than what God said. This is what my mama said about me. This is what the professor said about me. This is what my ex-boyfriend said about me. This is what the therapist said about me. What did God say? What did God say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you are going to be successful and have great victory, you must make the word of God your first and final authority. It must be first and final. First and final. That means when I'm having a debate about the word, I don't talk to people who don't value the word. I don't talk to people who, who I don't need nobody to co-sign for me when I'm in a faith fight. I need somebody who know the word. When you get mad at your spouse, who you cause tells us whether you in faith or not. Who you need to go talk to tells us whether you in faith or not. Because if you go to this church and you was really in faith, you'd be over there talking to the youngs. You'd be over there talking to the youngs, getting some wisdom, wisdom about having some longevity in marriage. You'd be talking to the Stricklands, but no, that ain't who you call when your marriage going through. That you don't call us. Who you call in crisis reveals your faith. I know whether I'm in faith based on who I call. Everybody got ratchet friends and friends who love the Lord. 
Do y'all all have two categories of friends? No, because you got some friends that may have some ratchet in them, but they're going to always go with the word. You got some friends who going to tell you to do whatever you feel like doing. You want to cuss somebody? Girl, cuss that wench. Cuss her. Cuss her. But people in faith say, wait a minute, did God tell you to cuss out? Wait, did God tell you to cuss? I'm sorry, did God tell you to cuss out? She did X, Y, and Z. Well, did Jesus cuss you when he was on the cross? Oh, okay. My, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's get it says, man shall not live by word alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. And then he says, and then the devil came and he takes him up to a holy city upon the pinnacle of the temple. And he said unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast yourself down for it is written. He is, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in thy hands, they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. One thing, one of the reasons you need to know the word, not just the word but you need to know the spirit of the Lord. It's because many times when the enemy comes for you, he comes for you using a contradictory word. When the enemy comes for Jesus, he's actually using scripture. He's using scripture out of context. Because he knows the spirit of God, he can recognize. See, if you've been with me a long time, you not only know whether I said it, or but how I said it. If you haven't been with me a long time and you come to church and somebody goes, oh, Pastor Sean really ripped somebody a new one and you don't really know me, you could be like, I could see that. <laughs> I could see that. But people who really know me, like, wait, why? What happened? What, 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 it's, it's more to that story. So it's not just enough for you to memorize the word. You got to get to know the God behind the word. So you understand when someone's trying to manipulate you using word. Some of the greatest cults ever built was built off the word. They used scripture to get them people with that Kale, um, um, hell Bob Comet thing. And everybody was wearing them gangster Nikes out there. I mean, that's just... <laughs> They use scripture to do that. When they create cults where, um, where, they went, where the people are sleeping with the kids and all of that stuff, they use scripture for that. It ain't just enough to know scripture because Abraham recognized God before there was writing. You better know how to recognize God even when ain't nothing written. That's why we constantly say, what did God say? What did God say? There wasn't written word to Moses. And the first two tablets he broke because the people vexed him so bad. He said, they ain't going to keep these commandments. <laughs> and as a pastor, I understand. Sometimes you just like... They're like, can I get a new job? Yeah. Got me over here tearing and praying, and you out at the club, turning up, acting a fool, getting arrested, all kind of mess. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait, I'm back. No, I'm back. Come on. So he's trying to get Jesus to use a word out of context. I'm, I say this over and over again. The people who always debate about tithe, you're just trying to use a word out of context. Because tithing is an act of love. You invest everywhere you are. They don't even let you go to the movies for free. And so you believe that you're supposed to be a part of a church that's got to rent a space, have a U-Haul truck, um, have heat, have snacks for the kids, and because Jesus loves you, you're not supposed to contribute anything. You're just using the word out of context. You're just using the word out of context. Because God loves you so much that he'd rather you have new Nikes and Tide. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's God. That's the Lord. Uh-huh. God loves you so much, it's more important for you to get a, a pedicure and a manicure and a new weave. 
because, you know, God loves me, and this is grace, and it's grace, and it's just all grace, and I just, it's grace, it's just all grace. You're pimping grace. Because grace is not permission to do what you want to do. It's the power to stop doing what you shouldn't be. It ain't grace that lets you lay up when you shouldn't be laid up. It's grace that gets you up. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. We got to go. So and then he says, hey, it is written in stone, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. That's verse 7. Verse 8, he says, again, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and shows him the kings of the world and the glory of them. And he says, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And then he says, the Jesus says to him, he says, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him thou shalt serve only. Listen, Jesus right here is laying out everything that you will ever struggle with. The first struggle is the God of your belly. The first struggle is the God of your belly. Can you not eat when God told you don't eat? That's the first, the first, the, the first devil Satan Jesus had to defeat was his own belly. You can't fast for three days. We gonna kick the devil out of where? All he got to do is distract you with some chocolate cake and you don't forgot you're supposed to be in a warfare. <laughs> the second one is the, is the challenge, is the temptation to step out of the place that God has told you to be in. To step out and expect God to catch you. I'm going to do what I want to do. Grace. Grace, grace. I'm going to keep on drinking. Right, grace, grace. I'm going to keep on smoking. I'm going to keep on firing it up. Grace, grace. I'm going to keep sleeping with people with no protection all out in the world and stuff, and then just be thankful every time I test clean. Grace, grace, that's what I'm going to test. Praise the Lord. But it says, we who have been free from sin, why do you want to be in sin? Now, hold on, because I heard that, because I, I, I like intellectuals. Well, what if the Lord told me to smoke weed? Then I wasn't talking to you. But to the rest of the people that he didn't tell to smoke weed, I'm talking to you. <laughs> See how simple that is? There we go. Because I felt you get all indignant in your heart. Well, I'm smoking weed because for my glaucoma, if the Lord told you to smoke, smoke on. Smoke on, smoking. I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to the people he didn't tell to smoke weed. That's who I'm talking to. I ain't scared of you. Listen, you know I ain't scared of you. You know I'm not scared of you. <laughs> and, then, and then the third God that everybody struggles with is to exalt a God above God. To exalt your job, your husband, your kids, your dreams, your desires above God. And some of you are very well-meaning. The dreams he gave you, he gave you. They're not first. The kids he gave you, they're not first. The spouse he gave you, not first. He's first. And when he's first, he'll help you keep the rest of the stuff in order. I really hate when people ask me, what should I do if the Lord told me to do something and my husband told me to do something else? Well, which one saved you? Which one saved you? You better rock with who saved you. You better rock with who blood ran down that cross. Well, my husband, he want me to go to the strip club, and the Lord said no. I'd be like, well, you can, listen, I don't know if the Lord didn't tell you to go to the strip club. You go on out there if you want to. You're laughing, but how many times 
have you got caught up backing up backing up off the word because somebody else said it didn't take that much? I'm using extreme examples. I'm using extreme examples so you can laugh. But how many times have you gotten backed up off of what the Lord told you to do because he didn't tell somebody else or they didn't hear it yet? And when you do that, you make that thing God. Listen. I'm, I'm going to say this, and then we're going to go to Matthew 13 because I want to dig into it a little bit, and then we're going to wrap up. When we get to Matthew 13, I need you to give me um, 20 minutes, okay? When I open Matthew 13, you need to give me 20 minutes because we got to be out today by 12, okay? So listen, what God always asks you for is whatever you made God. I want you to hear me. God asked for the thing you made God. So if wine becomes your God, because wine is the only way you can relax, God will ask you for wine. God asks for whatever you make God, because he says, thou shall have no other God before me. So what I can suggest to you is that whatever God starts talking to you about the most, you put in the wrong position. There are very things few things that in and of themselves are sin. They become sin when they become more important than God. If you can't speak and be nice till you get your coffee, coffee your God. Coffee your God. You may like coffee in the morning, but you can't even be social. Like you can't even say good morning. Don't speak to me. I haven't had my coffee yet. You got a devil. <laughs> so you, got, you can't be ignorant of Satan's devices. He's going to come to get the word. Here are some other ways he's going to come and get the word. Next week, I'm going to really dig into Matthew 13, but let's start now. Okay, Matthew 13. All right. Basically, Matthew 13 is the parable of the sower. It's such an important sower parable that it's in three of the four Gospels. Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 13. I mean, Luke 8. Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 8, the parable of the sower. How many of you know that when you're in school and they say something over and over again, it's going to be on the test, right? So the fact that three of the four Gospels record the parable of the sower, it tells us that the parable of the sower is important, okay? I'm just going to read it to you, and then we're going to talk about what it means. It says, we're going to start at verse 3, Matthew 13. It says, he spake many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell by stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had not root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell unto good ground and brought forth forty some fruit, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirtyfold. Verse 9 says, who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus tells this story. He uses seed because he's in an agricultural background, right? He says, here's what happened when the word goes forth. Here's what happens when the word goes forth. The disciples don't understand it, so they come back to him and they say, why are you always telling stories? And he says, I tell stories because the people aren't receptive to the word without the story. So I tell the story to make them receptive. But here's the meaning of the parable. Num the first person, the word is sown. Sc scroll down there and look at verse 18. It says, hear ye the parable of the sower. Listen to the meaning of the parable. While anyone is hearing the word of the kingdom and does not grasp and comprehend it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is what was sown among the wayside. So it says, here's the first category of people. They come to church, they hear word, but it, they don't grab it. It doesn't mean that you don't intellectually comprehend it because sometimes you don't intellectually comprehend something, but your spirit resonates that it's right. 
It's like, I'm not exactly sure how healing works. I'll take that. Not those people. But the people who come and hear about healing and go, everybody can't get healed. He says immediately the enemy comes and he takes that word away because you didn't grab hold of it. One of the reasons that we try to get you to do things like say amen and turn and tell your neighbor is because we're trying to get you to grab hold of the word. That's why we say turn and tell your neighbor, my, you're a great victory. That's the reason that we say you are healed. Because we're trying to get you to grab hold of the word because if you don't grab hold of the word, it will not produce in your life. This is the reason that two people can come to church with depression and one, people can, one person can get depression out of their life and one person can't. Because one person chooses to grab hold and believe that it is true even when they feel depressed. And another person won't believe it's true because they feel depressed. So you have to learn how to grab hold of the word. When you're in pain, that's when you grab healing. When you're depressed, that's when you grab healing. That when you are broke, that's when you grab prosperity. You grab it when you need it to pull you up out of where you are. But it says that this first person, they hear word, but the word don't profit them. We all know people like that. They hear word, don't never change. I know we all growing and become, but you'll never change. Like we don't reduce none of your cuss words, none of your acting out. I mean, nothing ever. You still as ratchet at 45 as you was at 25. It ain't no progress. Because you may come to church, but word don't get in you. So then he says the second one. It says, verse 20, it says, this is the guy with rocky soil. It says, for what was sown on thin soil, he's the one who hears the word, and at once he welcomes and accepts it with joy. Yet it has no real root in him, but it's temporary. And when affliction or trouble or persecution comes on account of the word, At once he is caused to stumble and he begins to distrust and desert him whom he ought to trust and obey and fall away. So this is the second group of people. This is the group of people who they come and they hear the word and when they hear it, they get excited. They like, yes, you mean I don't have to be broke anymore? Yes, you mean I don't have to be sick anymore? Yes. They like, yes, yes, yes. And at first they come to every service and they there early. And they like, Pastor, what can I help you do? Pastor, do you need me to do anything? And when we get here to open the door, they already standing outside and they want to move chairs and they want to work with kids. They just want to do anything because they just so excited about what God has said. And then they get a little persecution because of the word. And then they say stuff like, I did all that sewing, and I still ain't had no breakthrough. I could have kept that money and went on a vacation. I did all of that faithfulness, kept my virginity, and still married a loser. I should have just turned up. Those are people who receive with joy but don't have any root. And those people are hard to help understand that they don't have any root because they're so excited most of the time you can't get them to sit down. That you can't get them to sit down and take any notes and listen. they just like, yes, yes, we winning, we winning, Woo, we winning, we winning, yeah, we winning, we winning, we winning, we winning, we winning. Then they get sucker punched. They're like, wait, why, why, why do we lose? Because you got to have more than excitement to live in victory. You have to tell your neighbor, say, be excited. excited. But you need more than excitement. The word has to become an anchor to your soul, not your spirit. Your spirit is perfect. The word becomes an anchor to your soul. It means that when you get a bad report and the report wants to shake you, the word anchors you. It stiffens up your inner man. And you go, well, I didn't think that was, we was going to have to do that. 
But since we got to do that, let's go. You know, I tell y'all all the time, growing up, I ain't never want to fight. But if I ever figured out I had to fight, I'm like, man, well, look, ain't no point. I mean, let's, what are we talking about? So you come to get my family? What are we talking about? See, there are, when you got word on in you, there is righteous indignation that, the in, that you would declare no sickness and one of your kids would get sick. You're like, what? Oh, that's the kind of game you playing because you want me to back up off of my confession. But I'm not backing up off of my confession because my child may be running a fever, but they still healed. So the enemy sends those circumstances to get you offended. Think about your own life. How many times have you been offended at something about the word? I served the Lord all this time and it didn't work out for me. Um, you, did you read the Old Testament, how they used to kill prophets for serving the Lord? It ain't, at least ain't nobody stoned you. I mean, right, they, literally, they died for following the Lord. Somebody talked about you. If I had known they was going to talk about me, I wouldn't have done all of this. Well, they was talking about you was in the streets. You ought to be used to it by now. I want to say this. Everybody who used to be really ratchet in any form, you ought to be able to walk with the Lord without flinching when somebody talk about you. Because you ain't new to being talked about. You are not new. <laughs> You are not new to this. You are true to this. You ought to be like, they was talking about me when I was at the club. I sure ain't moved because they talking about me now. What they were saying about me at the club was right. It was right. You were drunk. They wasn't lying on you. You were high. You was in somebody else's woman's face. You did all of that. You ought to be able to not be offended with the word. When the enemy comes for the word, it's an opportunity for you to do what Jesus did. Give it to him. I'm not moved by what I see. And in order to do that, you got to do the first thing God, Jesus, that Jesus was talking about. You got to dethrone that other stuff in your life. I'm going to tell you this. This is going to seem a little morbid, but it'll help a lot of y'all. I decided a long time ago that I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. No matter what. So I have walked through my life what that would mean. If I lost my husband, every one of my kids, all y'all stopped talking to me, I'm going to rock with Jesus. I made that decision on the front end so then I don't have to make it in the middle. Some of you ain't never made the decision on the front end, which is why you get moved every time something happens. I'm rocking with Jesus no matter what. They could all go and start a whole nother religion. My whole family camp strict. I would be like, I cannot be in the pictures that have anything to do with that. They would be in the pictures with their stuff. I would be like, I rock with Jesus. I rock with Jesus and them, but I rock with Jesus. Pray for them. They're not well. I rock with Jesus. Because I'm never giving Jesus up. You got to decide you're never giving Jesus up if you lost it all because he could give it back to you. All right. This is the last point in this. So then, so don't be offended with the word. Tell your neighbor, say, grow up. up. Don't be offended. offended. You got to understand, probably before you leave this parking lot, somebody will offend you if you let them. I can't believe she didn't speak to me. Did she see you? Did you speak? I mean, you saw her. You saw her to know she didn't speak. Did she even see you? They in my seat. The ones you bought? Which one? You bring a seat here every week? Amen. It says, as for that which was sown in the thorns, this is he who hears the world, but the cares of the world and the, here's the word, but the cares of the world and the pleasure and the delight and the glamour and the deceitfulness of riches choke out and suffocate the word and it yields no fruit. This is, this, I, this is the one I like the best because this person actually has fruit. They actually really have fruit. This is the person who you come and you was real, real broke 
and you heard a word about sowing, and you started sowing, and you started increasing. And when you didn't have anything, you would give God 10% of nothing. But as you have increased, now you can't tithe. Because the same word that produced fruitfulness in you revealed in your heart that you care more about the stuff than the God who gave it to you. You know, they are the people who are like living for the Lord and they're so serious about Jesus. And then they meet a boo. And they meet a boo. And now when they meet a boo, now they missing church. They missing their daily devotional. And then they got a boo and ain't nobody in the church seen them. That's always a telltale sign. When you got a boo, when you, I told you, I got, I got friends in the Lord and I got friends not in the Lord. When you got a boo and my friends not in the Lord told me about your boo, you this person. You got some fruitfulness. The Lord built your self-esteem back up. The Lord healed you, made you feel good about yourself. And now you out here and somebody think you're cute. They don't re- you don't realize that's the joy of the Lord that's on your life. Then you pull it in with them. Now they done stripped your joy. Now you out here ashamed to come back. We could, don't let the cares of this world steal the word from you. Don't let a material possession you have be more important than God. That's, that's tough stuff. But it's right stuff. Because when people say things like, you know, I can't tithe because I got to take care of my house. I'm sorry, just yours. Nobody else had a house they needed to take care of. So everybody in covenant here and everybody go bring their best, but not you because you need a new couch. I'm here for it. I don't care if you're mad. You need to grow up. You need to grow up. I don't want to serve. I don't want to give. Nobody, I ain't want to come to church today. I want to go to brunch today. The fast was over. I figured we should just have communion on Facebook Live. Go to brunch. That's just being real. So when people be like, I didn't want to come to church today, you think, do you think that I don't have nothing better to do with my life than to come to church every week? I got stuff I want to do, too. And in football season, when the Steelers play in the morning, I don't never want to be here. But if the Steelers play at 11, I don't ever want to be here. It take everything I got to sit in church and not go out there to the little thing and watch the game. But I do it because I'm disciplined and I'm committed to God. And I don't get to have a commitment to God and then your commitment to God be lower level. And we all go get the same blessing. My spiritual mother used to say to me as I wrap up, you can get ready to give your offering because that is the offering teaching because you either go obey God or you're not. Um, my spiritual mother used to say to me all the time, it took me a long time to understand this, but she said, I can't give to you for free that which costs me something. And a lot of believers, what you want is to get for free that which costs somebody something. Anybody who's proficient in faith has put... Jimmy can't give you his strength because you go to the gym with him. Rich can't give you quick feet because you have a conversation with him. Angel can't teach you to dance because you come stand behind her and act like you Beyonce too. That's not how it works. You would have to put the time in that they put in to get what they got. So the people who have a harvest, a seed time and harvest of giving and receiving, They got years in this thing. They got years in this thing. They've been faithful over this thing for a long time. If you talk to some of these older people who've been faithfully tithing and giving, the rentals, people like that who've been faithful to God, they'll tell you, do they have more testimonies than you? Yeah, they got more faithfulness than you. You got to do the work. Nobody can do the, tell your neighbor, say, nobody can do the work for you. We can cheer you while you do the work, but you'll only know God is a healer if you start laying hands on people and see them recover. That's how you find out. Do you think that when we lay hands on the sick that we don't have an understanding that they could die? That they might not recover? 
we taking a risk of faith. You can't stand on the sidelines and be like, whoa, I'm going to be great at this, and you don't never get in the game. You have to learn to be faithful. And one of the ways that you, you guys can come on up, one of the ways that you always know if whether you're in faith or not is judge your faithfulness. Your faithfulness always reveals. Let me help you. If you believe that fasting produces, you fast whether we ever call a fast or not. If we didn't call a fast for the next 10 years, you still be fasting. Because you believe in the power of fasting. If you believe in the power of communion, you take communion whether we take it or not. If you believe in giving, you give whether there's an offering or not. You be like, I'm not. In fact, people who really committed to giving, if we forget about giving, they be back there talking about giving, giving, don't forget to give. Why? Because they don't want to leave here without putting their seed in the ground. Even the people who do it on push pay, they still believe there's something that's supernatural that happens when we pray and agree with it over here. If you believe in something, you'll do it. So if you tell me you believe in the word, but you ain't in the word every day, you don't. You're not faithful. If you say you believe in drinking water, but you drink seven sodas a day and one cup of water, what? That don't even sound right, right? If you say you a giver, but we look at your checkbook, and your giving ain't even 10% to nobody, nowhere. I mean, if you add up all the giving you got, you got 3%. You're not a giver. I don't care how you gas it up because you gave somebody some clothes you couldn't wear no more or didn't want no more. That ain't make you no giver. In fact, a giver, E-R, lover, right? In order to be a lover, you must be doing it, right? In order to be a giver, you must be doing it. Nobody's a great lover because they do it once. You better hear me preach. Ain't nobody a great lover because you did it once. Man, I tore that up. No, you didn't. You ain't done nothing. <laughs> you ain't done nothing. <laughs> you ain't done nothing that one time, baby. <laughs> they just let you feel good about yourself because they love you. <laughs> so if you go be a giver and, and, you ask, and you go in push pay, and you go three months and don't give, you ain't no giver. You give occasionally. You perfect it by doing it. You get to see the faithfulness of God by doing it. Yes, he is. So we're about to give because ain't no better way to end the fast than with a seed sealing what you believe you receive.